Hello, everybody. Um, pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for this book, and we we don't want to we don't want to miss what you have for us. So we pray you will make it so clear, and I pray my voice will be understood. And Lord, you can take all our inadequacies and and show show us the truth and the meaning, and we will truly praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation is such a beautifully laid out book. When you see the first chapter, you can't help but see that. It's an intro. It's it's Jesus wanting us to see him as he is in his glorified self. And we know that there's proof of this because John says, I saw and I heard and he makes it so clear. And, and so he, he explains the purpose of this book. And it is to warn us, to get us prepared, to get us ready. And then we see um, from last week, chapters 2 and 3, there's letters. And why? Why do we need those letters? And, you know, I think... I really thought about this this past week. And the church is the followers of Jesus. The church is the followers. And and I thought about that word, follower. And you know, there's a real follower of Jesus in, in every part of their being. There's a follower who is half and half, you know, half foot in one one in the world and trying to do a half in the church or loving Jesus, half and half. And, and there's the follower who, who is a follower and really isn't, calls himself one, but he isn't. So the letters prove to me that um, there's couple churches who have real followers and then there's a few churches that have followers that are half and half and he doesn't like that Jesus does not like half and half and then there's the follower who thinks they are but they're not Oh, we we have to go into this and and see that you have to check your heart. You got to check yourself. You've got to look and see: Am I real? Am I a real follower, or am I half and half, or maybe I'm really not a follower at all? I'm I'm. Think I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm, uh, I go to church. I, I say I'm a Christian, but have I really come to Christ? Have I really seen myself for what I really am? And do you realize that before you can really see Jesus, that's why the letters were right. After the intro, because you have to see yourself in your need for a savior, and you need to believe in his word. You have to know it's serious. You have to commit and surrender. You have to know these things before, before. Well, before the judgment, Jesus wants, he doesn't want any of us to miss it. He wants us to be, he wants us to be prepared and ready. He doesn't want us to go through life not knowing what's ahead. So he writes these letters. He has John write them and he says to each church, that's why I know it's to each and every one of us. We fit in here somewhere. And Ephesus, do you, do you um, 
is at you, is at you. You were excited. You, you really were so thrilled when you realized you were a sinner and you had a Savior who could save you. Oh, you read your Bible, you studied, you, you shared your faith, you, you, were, you were excited. It was your life, it was your passion. And then maybe you got spiritually lazy and you got a little thinking, oh, I'm fine. And you lost that spark, you lost that thrill. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not right. You can't ever get lax. You can't ever think that, that um, this isn't the best thing in your life. He says, repent. If you've lost your first love, repent. Be excited again. This is the best thing that ever happened to you and to me. Or maybe you're Smyrna. Maybe you have had a tough life. Maybe you, maybe you're misunderstood and you're persecuted in your home or no one gets you and every morning you wake up and you have to deal with that suffering again and it's just a tough life and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'll make sure it's so worth your while. Or maybe you're Pergamum. Maybe you're half and half. Maybe you have kind of faltered and you think, you know, I can I can play both sides. I think I think I can be tolerant. After all, it's 2020, and so we need to get with it. And maybe, maybe um, we have to loosen up. Loosen up? What? The principles of Scripture that never change? Start accepting wrong to be right? And Jesus says, no, 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 repent, repent. My word and my principles and my commands never change. Or maybe you're from the Thyatira and maybe you have some secret sins and that no one knows. But he does, he knows. And he's saying, repent, I see what's holding you back from really knowing me and, and really growing. And you have something that you need to repent of, get rid of. Or maybe you're from Sardis. Maybe you are just a burnt out Christian. Maybe you're trying to do Christianity in your own strength. And you've totally forgot to loosen that Holy Spirit that lives within you. And you, you are just, well, he says, wake up. From the outside, you're doing everything right. But inside, you're dead. And maybe you're just not letting the Holy Spirit run your life. And you're trying to do it too much. Wake up, he says, repent. To the uh, church in Philadelphia, he's saying, oh, I know sometimes you feel inadequate, but you know what? I am so giving you the open door of opportunity. Maybe someone else might, might not recognize what you're doing for me. Maybe, maybe someone else won't, won't um, appreciate what you've done, but I do. And it was such a church that needed encouragement. Or maybe you're from Laodicea. See what I mean about um, there's followers of Christ from the two churches that didn't need to repent, but just needed to be encouraged and, and told not to be afraid. And then there's, there's 
couple churches that are half and half and trying to play it both ways. And then there's Laodicea who thought they were such a great church and Jesus wasn't even on the inside. How we can even play the game that fools everyone and Jesus is standing on the outside. So can you see why I just had to go over that again? But before you can really see Jesus, you have to take a real look at yourself. You have to take a look at your heart. You have to come to grips with things that need to be changed. It's so important. We love to worship and praise and, and be all excited, but why are we excited? Are we excited because we've seen ourselves and know we can't do it without him? Or do we just like the feeling it gives? So whether it came hard or whether you loved the letters to the churches, it was it's vital in its proper order here. As he says, once, once you get that straightened out, you clean your heart out. And then chapter 4, after this, see, why, why would John, in this order, why would he say after this? After what? After you get things right and you let the Holy Spirit help you see and hear. Because these are the sights and the sounds of heaven. You don't want to miss this. This is what you want to hang on to, knowing this is going to happen. So after two and three, we have four. After this, John said, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Stop there. Can you even fathom John said, I saw heaven. And he heard, look, he heard the voice that he had first heard back in chapter one. It was like a trumpet. So he's saying to you and me, oh, it's the same voice. I am not at all confused. I, I distinctly know who's talking, and it's Jesus. No questions. And it's an invitation. John said, I heard Jesus say, come up, come up here. Come up, come. Remember, we've talked about that. What an invitation. But if you don't accept the invitation, you will miss it. Jesus says to John, come, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. It must happen. We do need to follow all what Jesus said was going to happen. And so now he's saying, come up here, John, come up here, and I will show you Again, so there's no questions, no doubts. And this is what must take place. And John writes, and at once I was in the spirit and there before me, there before me was a throne in heaven, a throne that represents sovereignty, authority, ruler. There's a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Someone was sitting on it. He saw this and he said, at once I was in the spirit. So he is able to see what no human can see on their own. I always said the Holy Spirit does for us what we can't possibly do for ourselves. 
And here is just a perfect example. John would never have been able to see or hear this, but he was in the spirit. He saw the throne. He saw who was sitting on it, and he tried to describe. He said, and the one who sat had the appearance. He, he, was, he had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. He, he wasn't Jasper. He wasn't Carnelian. Jasper is like a diamond, and Carnelian is like a ruby. He's just saying, when I looked, this, this person sitting on the throne, this someone was, had the appearance of diamonds and rubies. And then he said, a rainbow, a rainbow resembling an emerald. Remember, John is saying this using language that I think is so, uh, well, he, he just has words to use, and it's so beyond words. So he is saying, it resembled, it resembled an emerald. It encircled the throne. This rainbow was not half. It was a whole, full, and it circled the throne. And that rainbow, when we think of a rainbow, it's a promise. A promise that was given to Noah. That promise that that we have in this chapter is the promise of the cross. It's the promise that Jesus does what he says. The cross worked. Salvation is yours and mine. And our future, what he promised, it, it, it's a promise. So John saw this rainbow resembling an emerald circling the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. Now, I'm not going to get into who they were because we don't know and we could... We can think it might be this or it might be that, but we don't know. We know that these 24 elders were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. So that, that has to mean they had, um, they were, they were representatives, they were leaders, they they probably represent us. They were our representatives. They wore white robes and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So there's 24. You got to just picture this. Jesus on the throne appearing like diamonds and rubies encircled with the promised rainbow and then there's 24 thrones and 24 elders and all of a sudden the sound from the from the throne came flashes flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder how majestic how powerful before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit right there. And before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. What a sight that must have been. There was, it looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Probably the most perfect mirror that we could ever imagine. How reflective this 
sea of glass, clear as crystal. Can you imagine how the reflection of, of Jesus and the reflection of the 24 elders, can you imagine what that was like in, in the center in the center around the throne were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and back. See, this is where sometimes people think, oh, I think I've had enough now. This is getting a little creepy. But don't, you, you, you can't say that. This is not creepy. This is not science fiction. This is God's word, and he wants us to think. And never are we going to understand this book totally. But he doesn't want us to shy away from it. He wants us to try to imagine and see and hear the sights and the sounds of this place. And it is beyond words. in the center of the throne, in the center around the throne. So you have the throne in the center, and then you have the 24 thrones, the 24 elders, but in front of them, encircling the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes. But, you know, think, what do you, what, what do you imagine eyes when... when what could these eyes be symbolic of? The clearer you see, the more you see, the better you understand. These eyes have to represent knowledge and wisdom and understanding because it describes them. They, yeah, they have eyes all around them, but... They have such a clear understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is because they're the closest to him. And so it, the Bible says the first living creature was like a lion. Second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Yeah, these four living creatures had distinct characteristics of who? Of Jesus. Every one of these creatures resembled Jesus in some way. The lion, the lion of Judah, the ox, the faithful servant, the face of a man, Jesus, the son of man. And the flying eagle, which represented power and rising up. And an eagle can get higher than any other bird. So four characteristics. And this is where I think it just gets so amazing. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Now, why would John write that? Why would, why would um, all these eyes be so important? Again, I say, think about it. Every, every place that you can imagine had eyes, so these creatures were not missing a thing. And these wings, they were so ready to serve the one on the throne. I can't help but think that the closer, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you get to know him, the more you get to understand him, the, the wiser you become in his word. I think this represents the more you look like him, 
the more you, you know who Jesus is and understand him and learn and grasp, the more your life will take on the characteristics of Jesus himself. And, and look, look what their purpose is. Day and night. Day and night, they never stopped saying. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Can you imagine hearing that? They never stopped. When we sing that old hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, there's a line in one of the verses that says, There is none beside thee. Perfect in power, in love, and in purity. And they never stopped. I, I have to stop a minute here and make sure that we have an understanding of what worship really is. They never stopped worshiping and praising and saying, Holy, holy. Worship is an attitude because sometimes you're thinking, well, I just can't do that. I have people to see and places to go and responsibilities and I can't be walking around singing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I don't mean to be silly, but sometimes our mind goes there like, well, you know, that's them. I can't do that. And when we, when we know what worship really is, it's an attitude. It is an aura that, that is us. So when we do our tasks, when we go and see these people, when we, when we go to these places or when we have to fulfill our responsibilities, what a difference it makes in how we do them all when we have the attitude and the aura of worship, which is holy, holy. You are God. There is none beside thee. You're perfect in power and you live inside of me and you want to direct my mouth and my actions. See, day and night, they were in that, in that attitude and aura of worship. It's not impossible and what a difference it makes. And remember, the more that you get to know and, and you understand and you take the time to learn, the more you will start not only looking like him, but sounding like him and being like him. Isn't that our goal? Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. Look what they're doing. They're giving glory and honor and thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Not necessarily that I am in this suffering or difficulty or hardship, but Thank you that you remain the same and your promises do too and your word is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. You haven't left us like orphans. I remember Jesus saying that in the gospel of John. I am there with you. So whenever these creatures were in that kind of frame of mind which says they were day and night and they were given glory and honor and thanks because you are who you are and you have a reason for everything you do I thank you for that even in this difficulty I thank you because you know what's best and what I need I worship you in that kind of awe and that kind of attitude, what a difference that would make in how we handle our everyday, how we handle crisis. The 24 elders, it says the 24 elders 
fall down before him who sits on the throne. So with that kind of praise and worship, it, it was so, it, it, the 24 elders couldn't help when they heard those four creatures who looked like Jesus and were in that right worship and praise when they then were reminded of who they were encircling here. They just couldn't help it. Remember how in the first chapter when John saw Jesus, he was like the Son of Man. He resembled, but oh, he has he's taken on such majesty. John says, I fell, I fell down as though dead. It's just so over the top that words can't even say. This is your Jesus. This is my Jesus. This helps us to see what, what we have in a relationship. He helps, this helps me to see that when I worry and when I panic and when I fear and when I fall to myself and I get crabby and I get frustrated and I get out of sorts and I have lost track. I've lost track of, of who he is. This is a wake-up call just to show you and I what we have in a relationship with an almighty, sovereign God. So the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And you know what they do? They lay their crowns. They lay their crowns before the throne. And these crowns, they, they are symbolic of, of some kind of reward they were given these crowns and they were wearing them for, but the minute that they, they realized through these four living creatures who they were encircling and who Jesus is, all of a sudden those crowns came off and they laid their crowns before the throne and they said, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. I know we've had songs put these words, and that's so good, but just look at those words when you hear them say, you are worthy of glory and honor and power you created all things and it was your will that every one of us was created and have our own specific being and purpose all glory to him this is such a chapter about Jesus and remember at the first of the study I said anytime your eyes get off the reason for the whole of this whole book we're in trouble because even in the letters it was still all about Jesus every church was given an introduction about who is sending the letter and why it's when we get off track and self gets on the throne and we get our eyes off him and onto us that's when we run amok. Why did they lay their crowns? They probably had done wonderful things and they were rewarded and given this, this prestigious crown. But they didn't pray it around because it wasn't about them. They laid the crown at Jesus' feet because if it hadn't been for him, they wouldn't have had the crown to begin with. I believe that's what we will be doing because I know we've been promised rewards. And I mean, I mean, even if a smile on Jesus' face is a great reward, but if it was a crown, even if we were given it for good things done after we were saved, 
we had it coming. Oh, I'm st- it's still something you lay at the Savior's feet because if it hadn't been for him, oh, we wouldn't have those crowns. There'd be, there's no, nothing good in and of us on our own. So chapter four, do you just hear the worship and the praise and the re- of who Jesus is. Remember in the first chapter, it was written so we would never forget. It's going to be about the one who came and suffered and bled and died so that our sins could be bought and paid for and so the sacrifice could be paid so he could take it all on himself so now we could have all that must take place. Oh, we, we have been warned to take a good look at our heart. And if you really want to see Jesus, then he's saying, Look within yourself. Is there something blocking? Because chapter 4, you don't want to miss what John saw and heard so that we can know this is someone who is so worthy of our worship and our praise. Then I saw... After that, after after hearing hearing all this or seeing all this, then John says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. See now in chapter four, we know Jesus is sitting on the throne. In chapter five, God the Father is sitting on the throne. And there again, the mysteries of the Trinity, but they do each have a specific purpose equal Godhead but specific purposes for you and for me so for this chapter it says I saw on the right hand of him who was on the throne he was holding a scroll with writing on both sides now that's an interesting little detail, isn't it? There was writing on both sides. If you have to use both sides of your paper, isn't that a pretty good, pretty good uh, sign that you have a lot to say? There's going to be a lot of instructions. A lot's going to happen. And it was sealed with seven seals. So there you go seven seals and I saw John writes and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice see I'm reading this slow because I want you to catch that that there's so much to think and picture in your mind you have God the father sitting on the throne and in his right hand he's holding a scroll and it's got writing on both sides and it's sealed with seven seals and then John says a mighty angel proclaimed in a loud voice who who is worthy who is worthy to break these seals and to open the scroll Basically, these words, these the words on this on this scroll, the seals that need to be broken, is the beginning of judgment for the rebellion of people on earth who would not accept Jesus for who he was and what he came to do. He is going to come and he is going to make wrong right. And it has to start sometime and it's got to happen somehow. So the details are something we can't we can't miss. 
Someone has got to have the authority to start judgment going. But John says, no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. There was no one. And, and, and he made, it, made sure we, know, we knew that no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, I mean, he, he was saying, I want you to know there was no one that could open the scroll and begin this process of, of making wrong right and fulfill the promises that we have been living by. The promise of Jesus in all of his glory. And he says, John says, no one came to start. No one came to start it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. He, he wasn't embarrassed to say, I wept and wept. I mean, he wasn't just, he wasn't saying, I, had a, I, got all, I got a little choked up. I had a couple of tears. I had a lump in my throat. No, he says, I wept and wept. And if you did your questions, I asked you about that. How come he was so upset? Why was he upset that, that no one was worthy to open this scroll? Think about it. If no one begins the judgment, if no one wrongs the right, if no one, if, if no one starts the process, then Satan wins. Christianity was a hoax. This is major right here. It is so important that we realize that he was upset and had reason to be upset. Because if this doesn't happen, that's why when we read at the beginning, when Jesus said, this must take place. But if no one can get it going, then Satan, Satan wins. I just want you to, to catch that and to see that if if judgment, if the end times don't happen, but we know they are, and John goes on, he says, I, I, then, one, then one of the elders said to me, don't weep, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. In other words, oh, he, the cross did work. Salvation did happen. His ascension is real. The plans of judgment and the and the and our future are intact. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. You know, I can even when I was reading this, I could even get myself. Oh, hooray! I mean, I was hallelujah. I mean, you can't help but feel the rise because then, look, then I saw a lamb looking as it had been slain. Lamb, it was Jesus, and he—he's the Lamb, capital L, and he bore the scars of the work that he fulfilled. That was accepted by his father. He was standing in the center of the throne. Now he's standing in the center of the throne. Encircled by those four living creatures and the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. See, the Trinity just is always working. And those, those eyes... In those horns, I'll tell you, horns, you know, again, you want to say creepy, you got horns and you got eyes. I mean, they're, what are horns? They res resemble, they, they represent power. And seven being that complete, perfect number, he's got seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits 
God sent out into all the earth. Can you just watch? Remember, right now you see him, you see the lamb, and he has got the scars, and he is coming and walking with purpose, and he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And there isn't one person, there isn't one creature at that point that said, I don't think so. I don't think that you are quite measure up. No, he was worthy. He accomplished it all for you and me and with confidence and with with assurance he took that scroll and when he had taken it see I told you when I was when I when I saw that when the elders said there is one worthy and Jesus steps up and with confidence and authority he takes the scroll from his father's hand and he is the only one who is able to do that and look at it and when he had taken it the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp Sometimes I think this is where people get that illusion that, oh, I don't want to go to heaven. All I'm going to do is be holding and playing a harp, and, and I don't want to do that. And That is just so wrong. The ignorance, biblical ignorance, is so sad because you're missing so much. They were so filled with joy, harps, they each had a harp, and it, they were, there was joy unfolding. In Psalm, in Psalm 137, the writer of this psalm said it, I mean, to help, to help you understand a little bit, the writer of this, this psalm helped us to see that they were in such a state in captivity that they lost their they lost their song they lost their song they had nothing to sing about sometimes i think we we find our lives like that we think we don't have anything to sing about life is just so doomed and that's why you need to study this book. That's why he says, I'll give you an extra measure of blessing. That's the peace. That's that confidence and assurance. You just hold on. You just cling to me. I'm going to make everything right. When you read, when you read Revelation, I, I guarantee you, if you have lost hope or if you have lost your, your zest or if you, if you think that it all is hopeless and, and it's doom and gloom, you can get your song back. You can get your joy back. And that comes from being reminded. Each one had a harp. And look what else. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Just think, when we stay connected, when we are worshiping and praising him in our attitude and in our, in, in our whole being, no matter what we're doing or who we're with or whatever, when, when you can see how he's changing your life just because of who he is, you just have a song you won't lose your song. You can know that everything that you talk to him about is put in a, in a bowl and he keeps it. He hears everything you say to him. And then they sang. They sang a new song. Sang a new song. See, this when your joy comes back, then you have something to sing about. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You're ready. You are worthy to purge this earth of rebellion against God. You are worthy because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men from 
every tribe, every language, and people, and nation. No one else has the authority or control. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. See, as one of his children, we're a part of his kingdom, and, and he, he, we, are, we are privileged with opportunities to serve him and to know that we will reign with him. And then this is kind of like a crescendo, a praise, if I can say that. It just keeps getting louder and louder. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. I don't know how many angels we're going to see someday, but it sounds like there's going to be so many. Ten thousands upon ten thousands. And they circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, on the sea, everyone singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. What a thought, what a sound. And that's something. Just think, the sights and the sounds, we've been given a little glimpse of the glory and majesty but yet we can't miss that judgment must take place. Purging the earth of rebellion against God has to happen. And then he ends, though. He wants us to, to be able to live in this. To be able to understand that this kind of adoration and this kind of worship and praise is, is just so worthy of it. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. You know, when you fall down in worship, whether it's literal or whether it's figuratively, and you just, in your heart, you're just so humbled by his glory and his majesty. It is such a sign of your total submission to him. And again, amongst all this praise and worship, you know, it's easy to say the words. It's easy to, to get excited when, when we are singing a song we love and feel the emotions. But I think I just want to leave you with this reality is that as difficult as those letters might have been, and I repeat myself, I know, but as difficult as they might be, he wants us to be exposed. And I want you to hear this verse from Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, when he says, because see, we, we've got time. We've got time. We don't know how long, but so he says, make sure today you find out what pleases the Lord. And we've already come to the conclusions that he's worthy. And we, we, we love to sing and praise, but it's so much more than that. It's the whole, your whole being. It's your whole attitude. That's why things have got to get clear, cleaned out. He says, find out. Make the most of your time right now. Find out what pleases the Lord. Because he says in verse 13 of chapter 5, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. 
for it is light that makes everything visible. So it's something to think about. Someday when you stand before him, there's going to be, Paul talks about me, explains it, that that light, Jesus is the light, and that light will expose us. So see, that's why it says before all this must take place, you take a look and realize what's in your heart. And you've got time now to get real because I know, I can see Wake up, O sleeper. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And I want to end with a verse again from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Do you realize that when we were talking about the creatures with eyes and wings and the closer you get to them, the more you know them, the more you study them, the more that you, you will find yourself becoming more and more like his character. Just just read these words, what Paul says. The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces, unveiled means you cleaned your heart out, you got rid of things that he convicted you, and he said, I see, you might have everybody fooled, but I see. That's what it means. He says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. What what do we want to get from from this? Not just the hope of of what our future is going to be like and that we are in awe of, of who he is. But if you really are, then he says, then take off the stuff that's inhibiting you. Unveil your face. Become more and more transformed into his likeness. You see less and less of yourself you see more and more of his character. Because he is so worthy. And in, in your questions, I just want to leave you with this. I asked you, why is he worthy of your praise and your worship? And again, it's not just raising your hands and singing. And Why is he worthy of your surrendered life? Why is he worthy of you saying, you've, been, you've created me, Lord, with your will in mind? Are we allowing him to accomplish his will in our life? Or is something standing in the way? Because then our worship and our praise is just feelings Or are we unveiling ourselves so that when the light is, when the light of Jesus shines through us, we can radiate our Savior. That people will know there is something different in in who we are and why we are the way we are. He is worthy of praise. There's no doubt about it. I just pray that as you look at your heart and life that you can say with with all your being I want to worship and praise him like the creatures I want to look like him I want to be like them I want want to represent him I, I want to have characteristics like him are you desiring that day and night because it's like that's what the creatures did they they had that that attitude and that 
awe, that awing feeling. And they couldn't stop it because it was just part of their being. They're so grateful. Not only for the God who saved us, but for the one who shows us how to live. Father, thank you again for pinpointing these lessons, not only to get us excited about what is to come and that, yes, Jesus is worthy to begin judgment, to, to purge this earth. And, but Lord, personally, it helps us take a look at, at not only who he is, but the fact that he knows us so well and that when we praise and we worship him, it's coming from the depths of our heart and we know you can see every, every little part of it. Lord, when we stand in front of you someday, when that ultimate light is going to be exposed through us, Father, are we a part of the kingdom? Are we really serving you? Is it really all about you? Because we've heard enough how worthy you are. Father, this, this lesson gives us a glimpse. This, there's going to be sounds in heaven. There's going to be the sights we can see, we can hear. It, it's, it's beyond words for us as it, well, as it was for John. Oh, we do give you praise. And yet, Father, we are humbled by the fact that you do take us just as we are. But Lord, we also know that you aren't content to let us stay there. And that's why you will bless us if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, for your word, for wanting to become more and more like Jesus, looking like him, being like him, acting like him, loving like him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.